your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge, but most importantly, we just love and appreciate your support during these times. After all, we just love chatting Winnipeg Jets hockey with you. Speaking of chatting Jets hockey, it's time to talk about Winnipeg versus Boston, and uh, oh boy, do I have some thoughts on this game, which, you know, I don't think you'd be surprised by the result. The Jets lost 3-2, to but the way that it happened was honestly super frustrating. You know, the first period, the Jets came out, and actually, they controlled the game. For the first 20 minutes, this was the best moment of hockey that we saw uh, for, throughout the entire game. The Jets were faster. They had a more aggressive forecheck. They were causing turnovers. Um, Boston just looked very disorganized. And it kind of felt like Winnipeg was in control. You know, the Jets had that good early run of form. Winnipeg was faster. And, like, the, the Bruins aren't a super quick team, right? But... They're a very heavy forechecking squad, so you really want to keep the play away from your own defensive zone because we've all seen what happens when the Jets face a really aggressive press in space. They often struggle to make clean zone exits, and that wasn't really uh, any different tonight. You know, the Jets were trying to ring things along the boards. That doesn't work because it gets picked off. And then, you know, once the play starts to get to, to the slot or behind the net, that's where the Jets make a lot of mistakes. Things started off promisingly enough, though. I mean, in the first couple of minutes, the Jets had some really good early shifts. And then, you know, Tuka Rosk was in, and he hasn't really been having the greatest restart to his career. He's been pretty rusty and probably needs, like, a conditioning stint or something with Providence before really getting called up here. But, you know, now he's in net for the Bruins. And immediately on, like, Winnipeg's first shot or two, uh, Janssen Harkins actually scored a shot that probably shouldn't be leaking through Rosk's pads. Or maybe it was even his shoulder, but either way, it was just a really bad goal to concede. And it's the kind that either you're not really focused or you're very rusty, it might be both, uh, honestly. And I think that that was the case here. Um, and, you know, the Jets were like, oh, yeah, things are going well. And they started out shooting Boston by a pretty good margin. The Bruins really had nothing going. I mean, offensively, they just weren't even close to getting to Hellebuck. And on the few zone breakouts that they were actually able to do, Ultimately, the Jets then kind of silenced it quickly and countered back the other way. Unfortunately for the Jets, though, that attention to detail that is occasionally lacking in the defensive zone did rear its head briefly. Uh, there was a sequence where I think Schmidt tried to clear the puck along the boards, which hasn't worked all season, but for some reason, the Jets defenders still do it anyways. I, I don't know why he just won't pass it, you know, to like his partner in Sandberg. I mean, Dylan might be a rookie, but he's pretty good at transitioning the puck out of the defensive zone. Trust in his ability because the alternative is that Boston picked it off and then created a pretty good uh, sequence behind the goal that ultimately resulted in a an opportunity right in front of the net for Oscar Steen, and Steen didn't really miss. Um, this is a chance that 
sure, you know, did bounce off of a couple of Jets defenders, and you could say maybe it was a little bit fortunate for Steen that the puck just sort of uh, ultimately fell to him. But, you know, the turnover that they created, the forecheck that caused chaos, all of these created conditions where the Jets weren't really able to clear the puck. And in my mind, you know, you, you can say luck can't be manufactured, but I think you also create conditions that support something like this happening. There's only so much luck that you can really say when the Jets are turning over the puck and creating danger for themselves in scenarios where there were safer options that they just didn't choose. Aside from that brief blemish, though, I mean, the rest of the period was pretty good, and then the Jets had another really great opportunity right before the end of the period. The first line, which had been slightly reunited with Cop, Shifley, and Wheeler all playing together, actually had a good 20 minutes. I mean, I thought, you know, despite Wheeler's... Uh, pace maybe being not up to par compared with what we're used to with Ehlers, that line really wasn't stressed as much because, you know, the Bruins, again, aren't a super fast team. This is a squad that is very ground and pound, which is kind of why I think this Bruins team maybe isn't nearly as good as it used to be. It's it's a lot slower. It's maybe not as effective at uh, creating offensive opportunities. You notice the Bruins had to do a lot of work to create the, the scoring chances that they were getting for the most part. But, you know, once the Jets were up into the offensive zone, Boston was a little bit slow to react. And so this this top line, I felt, had a much easier time. Wheeler was still getting pressured a bit and occasionally wasn't really capable of escaping the Boston marking on him. But for the most part, it wasn't really enough that I would complain about it. I thought he handled himself just about as well as you could expect. I really wasn't expecting him to be uh, on this first line immediately, maybe later in the game, but they already kind of just threw him up there uh, and, and really rode him hard, I would say. So, yeah, not not the uh, most ideal of starts, I would say, um, in terms of like a deployment perspective, but from the performance, not bad. And then the Jets ended up getting rewarded for that with a great goal off the counter. Shifley fed Andrew Kopp after I think he was looking for Wheeler on the, the cross lot pass, but it ended up going off of Kopp, deflecting off of a Bruin skater, and Rosk never really had a chance. At first, it looked like it might be Wheeler's goal just from the very initial angle, but then they looked at it overhead and Kopp very clearly got the touch on it. So just like that, the Jets were up 2-1. And honestly, it was a pretty deserved scoreline. I mean, I thought the Jets had a very good opening 20 minutes. This was a team that, for all intents and purposes, should be a squad the Jets are capable of handling. I know on the previous episode, I was expecting a loss because I, I just got the sense the Jets weren't going to sustain a good level of performance against this Bruins team. But the opening 20 minutes gave me a modicum of hope. Maybe Winnipeg would actually play pretty well. Maybe they could defend a lead and even add to it, which is not something that they've always done in previous games. Unfortunately, what followed for the next two periods was a disaster class. Uh, and we'll talk about what exactly transpired and how it all went horribly wrong in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about Built Bar and why they're the best tasting protein bars on the market and how they might also help you with your New Year's resolutions. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? 
Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. As we were just discussing, we were taking a look at Winnipeg versus Boston, and the first 20 minutes of this game were great. It's what came after that became the problem. In the second period, you started noticing the Bruins were picking up the pace, and the Jets just sort of seemed pretty stationary, which is a little bit odd. I know that this team often has a habit of not really being all that great at defending leads, right? But in some games where the Jets actually control the play, they've had the ability to just sort of press and remain at least in control of the game, you know, manage puck possession, cycle it effectively, occasionally squeak out an extra goal, just generally be a nuisance for the opposition. In this game against the Bruins, Winnipeg started getting completely outworked both physically and mentally by the Bruins, especially down low uh, along the goal line, behind the net, in the corners. This is where Boston makes its bread and butter, and the Jets really didn't have much of a response. I wasn't really impressed by, uh, you know, the performance here because the Bruins are a big, heavy, slow team. That, in theory, should actually make it for the Jets a little bit of an advantage. The Jets have faster skaters that can counter quickly against a slower Boston Bruins forward and uh, blue line unit. And yet, the Jets were basically pinned in for, you know, minutes at a time. I'm exaggerating a little bit on just how long the Bruins were spending, you know, each period of possession, but overall, I mean, Boston had the offensive edge by a pretty healthy margin, and it just felt like the Jets really weren't doing a lot to uh, break out of this and escape. Um, and I was I was kind of thinking, you know, this is the sort of game where the Jets are going to blow the lead, and then they're probably going to lose, maybe get a chance to tie it for overtime, but then lose it in that OT period. Uh, and, you know, part of that actually came true. Just a couple minutes into the second period, Charlie Coyle found an easy tip. Uh, you know, Schmidt, I think, made a mistake or a turnover or something. I think he tried again to clear it along the walls and it didn't work. This one got picked off and then Coyle had a pretty easy opportunity. Uh, there was a bit of a, uh, a broken coverage here because Sandberg wasn't entirely aware that Coyle was coming across. And then Forbort, who uh, you know was a former Jet and certainly had a polarizing experience with Winnipeg, let a long-distance point shot go, and it got tipped in front. Hellebuck never really had a chance, and just like that, it was tied 2-2. You know, it's a bit frustrating to see this because if the initial turnover doesn't happen, Winnipeg would probably be fine, but, you know, this whole preference of trying to exit the zone using the boards and stuff is, is a continual problem with this team, and it's part of the reason why, again, I still think the coaching staff needs a complete overhaul. You know, Maurice leaving was one thing, but having all the supporting staff still here that still uses the same systems that kind of got the Jets here in the first place, it, it doesn't really fix the core problem of what is wrong with this team if, you know, just one part of that unit leaves. And so for the rest of the period, the Jets got paddled. I mean, it's, it's not really any other way to describe it. 
Offensively, I wasn't really seeing a lot from Winnipeg. Uh, they had a couple of counters here and there, but for the most part, they really weren't generating any shots. It was pretty easy work for Tuka Rask, and, and you know, Tuka had just come back after basically semi-retiring. I mean, he was out of contract just a few weeks ago, and now is back. You know, in, in two games, he's let in like six or seven goals, so it's not like his performance is top tier, and yet the Jets weren't really testing him. I was impressed with a couple of guys. I thought Perfetti, again, looked very bright. You can tell the lack of foot speed is still a bit of an issue, but it's not uh, as blaringly problematic as you might expect at this level. I also thought that Hellebuck did a very good job of keeping the Jets as alive in this game as possible. You know, the defense really wasn't doing a ton of uh, assisting for him here. DeMello and, you know, Morrissey, not exactly the best game for them. Sandberg and Schmidt had a few moments that could have been uh, a little bit better. With Sandberg, though, he kind of gets a pass because he's, you know, a, a pretty fresh-faced rookie, and I thought for the most part he actually had a pretty solid game. But in these moments where you kind of need that veteran experience to help out, Schmidt hasn't really been that guy in a lot of instances. I think he might be trying to play it safe, but it's actually putting the Jets at further risk in terms of, you know, some silly turnovers and stuff. Uh, aside from that, I thought... You know, the rest of the Jets were just sort of mediocre. I wasn't really enthralled with this team's performance. You know, there were plenty of guys that were skating hard, but ultimately it didn't really result in much. And the Jets just really could not attack the slot. I thought this was one of the biggest issues with the team. They were very static in certain areas. And then once they got inside the offensive zone, you know, there was no slot penetration. The cross-slot passes were poor. They weren't really getting shots off. Anything that they could find was getting blocked. And it was just very frustrating. And occasionally we also did see the infamous line blender coming in. This is one of those things that we all hate to see with this team. The line blender is a very frustrating problem with the Jets. Uh, you know, Palmer Reese used to do it a lot. Lowry kind of likes to throw out different combos that he thinks might work, but I don't know how much they actually practice together. Uh, you know, a lot of times it doesn't really seem like they have all that much chemistry. And he usually does this when the Jets are either in some kind of trouble or he's looking for like some kind of a defensive shift. And I don't really like some of these combos he's been putting together. So the Jets just as a whole feel very mediocre and, and, you know, uh, disorganized. I think disorganized is kind of the theme that I come back to with the Jets. And I'm not really surprised. I mean, it is a transition period and there's a lot of moving parts, but the Jets have had weeks off. This is the time that they should have been really getting on the same page and stuff, and that would be down to the leadership to make sure that the team is prepared to play. But it just doesn't really seem like that has improved all that much, and we're getting to the point where the Jets, they're at a decision point. I mean, are they going to sell or are they going to try to compete? I'm leaning towards a sell option, and I'll talk about in a little bit after we cover the rest of this game some guys that are probably going to have to be on the block. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.ag and why they should be your number one destination for all of your online betting needs during this holiday season. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, 
don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to place some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on the end of the game against the Bruins and ultimately what the Jets do with the trade deadline, because it feels like, you know, this is going to be a season in which I, I don't really want the Jets to try and push. I'm getting the sense it'd be better if Winnipeg takes stock of what exactly they have on their, uh, on their I guess, books and what they need to clear out, and ultimately what their long-term picture looks like. If you were hoping for the Jets to recover and come back in this game, unfortunately, I have some very bad news. Winnipeg continued to get outplayed and outworked by the Bruins, which is not super shocking, and then early into the third, you know, Boston uh, drew a penalty, probably could have gotten a couple of more calls, but it seemed like the refs were pretty lenient. And so, you know, the the Jets PK, it's been better over the past couple of games, but it's still not great. And against David Pasternak, there's not really much that you're going to be able to do if he, you know, one-times it. And guess what Pasternak did? He one-timed it. Not a, uh, not a fun time to be a Jets fan. You know, Winnipeg got a couple more power plays themselves, and they really didn't do much with it. They even got one before the end of the game and had, at one point, like a 6-on-4. Didn't really do much with that power play at all either. Just a really disappointing effort all around. I mean, this team continues to not really impress me very much. And, you know, aside from a couple of wins that happened at this point, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, I guess, it's not really been uh, a great stretch for the past couple of games for the Jets. You know, this road trip hasn't been the best of vibes, I would say. And increasingly, I'm becoming an advocate for the Jets selling because I don't think this team has enough as it is right now to really be competitive in the postseason. You know, guys who might be on the block, I would be looking at moving Brendan Dillon. Uh, Andrew Kopp has to be moved at some point. I would also be interested in seeing what the market is on Logan Stanley. Stanley just isn't it. I mean, I, I, I wish he was better, but Logan is not really the kind of guy that I would want to be keeping around, especially if the Jets intend to use him as like a, uh, a, a second or a third pairing defender. He's got very inflated market value right now, so if ever there was a time to sell high, this would be it. I'd also ask Stastny what he wants to do because he's probably getting closer to retirement and, you know, he's not going to have many chances at a cup now. So if he wants to try for a title, it would probably need to be away from Winnipeg. And so, you know, I would ask him, do you want to stay here or would you like to be moved to a competitor? And if he wants to go, you know, let him depart. Let him do what is in the best interest of his career and his family. So, you know, he's, he's given us a couple of good seasons. I think he's been a great player for this team. But, you know, he's definitely at the age where he doesn't have a lot of time left to really make an impact at this level. And so if he wants to chase it elsewhere, you know what, so be it. The Jets need to figure out, you know, what they've got on their farm system anyways, because right now, you know, this this current Jets lineup isn't really all that impressive. Uh, the depth scoring is definitely not great. The top six has moments where it can look really brilliant, but other times it's, you know, very ineffective. Uh, the second line of Dubois, uh, Connor, and whoever else is on the wing, whether it's Perfetti or Svechnikov, that line continues to be amazing, but 
Other than that, not really much coming from like the top line and the bottom six. It's been a little bit muted. So I, I'm i in favor of the Jets kind of evaluating this. And on the back end, they've got a huge log jam of a lot of defenders and a lot of prospects who could reasonably take their place. And Heinola is in that group. They really need to figure out what they're going to do with Heinola because he really is an amazing talent. And yet he just continually rots in the press box. So yeah, Winnipeg, a lot of decisions to make. Hellebuck's not getting any younger, you know, this this core. It feels like the clock is is slowly running out, or, well, maybe quickly running out, I should say. And the Jets have a lot of very hard decisions to make. I wish I had better news, but with the way that this team is going and how things look for the rest of the year, I don't see this really turning around so easily unless the Jets really get hot on some kind of crazy streak. It just feels like they're going to slip out of a playoff spot and probably either just missed a wild card or just make it and either uh situation is not super great but you know if they can draft a nice prospect you know come uh summertime maybe it'll feel a little bit better but for now it's going to be a bit of a rough ride i'd like to hear what you would have the jets do on this upcoming uh, trade deadline and, and if you think the jets should be sellers buyers or neither be sure to let me know at hlivingloco and at lo underscore winnipeg jets for tonight's podcast, though, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe today. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!